And here we go. Welcome back, everybody, to Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm Chris. I'm Sarah. And we have a very special guest um, for the first time on Creating Geeks. Um, And this is actually our first time with two of us on this end. Um, trying to do uh, something over the phone with somebody else. So this is really cool. Um, I'm just going to let um, our guest introduce himself and what he does. Um, take it away, buddy. Sure. My name is Steven Dutzman. I am the uh, host of Engage, a family gaming podcast. And I'm also the founder of EngageFamilyGaming.com. It's a website on the internet where parents come together to make sure uh, other parents have the information they need to get their family game on. So we talk about the same crap is what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and you were you were at PAX the same day as I was, and I posted the little handout that um that I was giving out at PAX, and you saw the name of the podcast and got in touch with me, and are like, oh my god, you know, we, we need to do this. Let's do it. And um, I think oh, he's local. Yeah, I, actually, I was gonna. I, I'm I'm pretty. Are you local, or did you come up for PAX from lands I'm, far away? Uh, I mean, I don't know where where you are. I'm in Connecticut. Okay, that's local ish. Um, we're in Lynn, Massachusetts, so right yes. on the coast, just yeah. north of Boston. Yeah, so I mean, you guys were super local um, to to PAX. No, yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I'm in Connecticut. So, I PAX is such an awesome show for me because um, it's the closest big show, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. You know, I go to a lot of the other you know stuff around Connecticut, but you know, there's something cool about just getting to go into into Boston and pretend like I'm a city boy and and go on the on the T and. Um, see big buildings, which is something that I don't normally do. Um, and you know, it's, it's, you get the, the whole gaming world collapses on Boston for, uh, for three days or well now four days, which is probably too many, but that's another topic. Um, and I, I saw you guys were there and I know we tried to link up briefly, but like you guys were doing crazy stuff. I was running around like a madman. Um, that you can't see anybody, even though you're surrounded by 70,000 people, like, what do you do? (laughs) <laughs> it, it's funny too. I was I was waiting in line at the Dwarven Forge booth to play some Dungeons and Dragons with a buddy, and a kid I went to college with I haven't seen in like six years just taps me on the shoulder. Uh, I had the same, almost literally the same experience. One of my uh, college roommates was there, and I came out of a panel that I was doing, and you know went down to the board game area, and I was just kind of milling about near where all the Magic players were, and. Um, <clears throat> He just came out of nowhere, and I was like, holy crap. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But go ahead. You figure we run into all these random people, but the people that we, like, try to link up with, it just wasn't going to happen. That's just – PAX is too crazy. Now, did you did you go to the whole show, or were you only there a couple days? I was there for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I had oh, to make cool. it home. I left Sunday morning um, at just – ridiculous o'clock because i needed to be home uh my son was in his school play that day um he was in oompa loompa so um i wanted to check i obviously i didn't want to miss that originally i was going to skip packs entirely um because i wanted to go to all of his shows um but uh, i was invited to be on a panel that was accepted and i got some neat appointments and my oldest was like dad listen every time you skip packs which i have only done a few times it's like, I don't, we don't get as many cool games. So I would rather <laughs> you go to PAX and come home with games. Yes. Then like um, come to two of my shows. And so I, right. He, I couldn't really argue with that logic. No, you know, I like this, how your kids think. This was actually our first, t- first time. And I think I'm addicted now. First time. First time. It's my first. 
time. First, my yeah. first. You had never been to PAX before? No, isn't that funny? Um, I, I, I mean, I almost don't. I mean, I believe you because you're telling me and have no reason to lie. But I, other than that, I don't believe you. Well, ever since PAX became a big thing, we we started a family and just you know setting I mean, aside any setting aside any amount of time for that became really hard. Yeah, and it can you know it comes around the time of year where you know it, bills are stacking up and everything, and so um you know March it's not something. Does suck. Yeah, March it, it absolutely it, sucks. And it's not something we ever took a chance on. And um, this guy uh, um, goes by Mr. Fantastic on Twitter. It's Reed D. Um, he knew my wife from high school, I guess. Yeah. And he had got in touch with me and was like, hey, you know, I got accepted to be part of TakeThis.org's um, uh the, the the AFK room there he he donated his time for them yeah. so they gave him passes to PAX and so he goes I paid for passes already and you seem like a guy that would really enjoy it so do you want them and so I ended up going for Thursday and Friday and then I bought a ticket for Sarah on Friday and it was an absolute blast I didn't know that um again we're you know we we could definitely be on again um you know with you some time to talk about video games too because that's just another big thing but I had thought it was mostly video game heavy, and it's kind of an even split between tabletop and D and D and magic and video games. It was yeah. it was we were so happy because you know, in the world that we're in, you know, with a couple kids in the house, like you said, it, it you can still have your friends over, and the kids sometimes you know start getting interested in the games, but at least they'll hang out and we can play board games, and it's great. Yeah, no, what's what's funny about PAX um, is. As much as you know, we say, you say that it was kind of even. It actually is. Um, it used to be more even. Um, like there used to be more board games. Um, oh, cool. I think a lot of the bigger companies are kind of bagging out on um, packs, like the packs East, etc., because they're just moving into packs unplugged, uh, which right. is in Philadelphia at the end of the year. Um, which by the way, if the two of you have an opportunity to go to, I highly recommend, um, if you're into that scene, because it is, um, it's still young, so it's a little cozier. Um, and, it's a and for a con too. Yeah. The, Damn. The Philadelphia convention center is really great. Um, it's a great time because it's towards the end of the year. Lots of stuff is on sale. Uh, you can get a lot of your Christmas shopping done, um, while walking around amongst your people. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that has been shown off throughout the course of the year kind of finds itself to be on display there. So you can get some really good demo time in. Um, and I have found, you know, as a content creator, um, that board game companies are more interested in micro influencers like us, you know, like smaller content creators than some right. of the video game publishers. Um, and so, you know, they really, you know, want to engage and they want to talk to you. So it actually is kind of a more, you know, I go in there um, and it's almost like an energy surge, you know, because it's, you know, sometimes being a smaller content creator can be, you know, frustrating you know when when i get my emails from nintendo and they still call me stephanie after like three years um <laughs> and like i i just let it go at this point because i'm happy that i get something but like um the but like that doesn't happen with board game publishers who know me by name um so it's so i i mean for you guys if obviously it's a little farther away than pax east <laughs> being that it's you know not right in your neighborhood um right. but it is a, it is a great show Oh, that's and I hadn't heard of it till you mentioned it. So that's even better. Um, you know, uh, 
it's it's cool that you mentioned um you know the the way the content creators are, are treated because i found you know you, you go to a video game booth unless you're like an indie game um you know i mentioned you know i run a show and you know a couple of people had actually heard of it because they they hear about it through my brother and my, my brother's a big deal on that scene so that was really cool but um is. you know the board game ones more oh you run a show come over here like let me show you every single game i have let's play them you know what yeah. i mean and it's like this is awesome yeah. um, i'm actually i i hooked up with a couple of people and i'm gonna have them on as well so that's really cool um awesome but so tell me what I'm, you know, outside of, you know, the, the obvious and that you're a parent and you're a geek and you have kids, of course, parent, there you go. What, what got you into, uh, what you're doing and how long you've been doing it? So, um, I've been running EFG for, I mean, it'll be seven years in June. Oh, congratulations. Um, yeah. I started like the day before an E3. So that's how I track it. Um, so I, I've I've known that I've wanted to write about games or create content around games um, for a long time, and f so um, I started doing I started writing for the Examiner, which you know is just you know not a great place, but um, it is you know it's super self directed and independent, um, and I had a quote unquote a beat. I was the gaming lifestyle editor for Hartford. Um, and really that just meant I could write about whatever I wanted. Um, and I, uh, I did that for like, you know, six, seven months and it helped me learn about like content management systems and how to write, uh, which I really, you know, I knew how to do, but you, you know how it goes. You got to build the skill. Um, right. And I you got can't, tired you can't do it without doing it. <laughs> exactly. And I eventually got really tired of being like dude number 95,000, like writing about Madden and Call of Duty, number one, because I don't care about those games as much. Okay. Um, and there's, you know, you know how it is. There's lots of people in that space. And, you so, know, I guess the, the way I look at it is the thing that really got me about PAX that really excited me. And I just I feel like it's really hard to stumble upon something new. Even, you know, with all the indie stuff you can get on, like, the Wii Shop or, you know, the mm -hmm. Nintendo Shop and things like that, I, I still like the physical interaction of it. You know, I, I run another show about Blockbuster, and it's it, that's what everybody talks about is we miss the physical interaction of it, the going oh, yeah. there. And, and so when you if you're going to write about the 20th, you know, Madden title and Call of Duty title, you're not going to get a scoop that no one else has. But Correct. if you if you go in and find that that board game that's just or that indie video game that's just waiting for someone to give it airtime, and then you really dig into it and like the person gets that you know it it I had never um you know I'm I'm not a this this I guess journalism comes with this but I'm um, you know I I akin what I'm doing here more to you know like radio my father said yeah. he always wanted to be a radio DJ but and he was a journalist so he worked for a newspaper. So there's something about finding that scoop and seeing someone get excited, like, oh, you know what? I haven't told anybody this yet. You know, when you're like, you're yeah. the first person they're telling that story to, that's so much more exciting than someone on a beat just going, yeah, this is Madden 2019. We changed yeah. the color of the shirts and the grass. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, Even and... though there's a place for that, people love those games. Yeah. But, you know, it's just no, absolutely. a scoop there. Absolutely. So, I mean, eventually I was, I mean, I was going to quit because that's just kind of what happens sometimes. And it was my wife's idea. And I, I say this a lot. I think every good idea is the response is somebody's sister, mom, wife, or girlfriend's fault. 
um, is so my wife just pulled me aside and was like, listen, you, you talk to people about games and suggest games for their kids all the time. Why don't you just make a website and do that? And um, I laughed about it and whatever. And then I kind of did the, the Tony Stark fixation thing. And that was in, I think, a March. And by June, I was up and running and I had, you know, reached out to some of my friends to help me create content. Um, and I took the week off from my day job and just covered E3 remotely um, and produced a whole bunch of content that I was really proud of. Um, and I came out of that week saying, you know what, I think I could do this. Maybe not full time because who can, but I could definitely make this a really cool hobby um, that gives me access to, you know, some really cool stuff. And I've ended up, you know, I went to E3 for a couple of years. Um, I, I speak at PAX. Um, you know, I, I'm a big piece of like the Connecticut, the greater Connecticut board game community, um, and growing. Yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. And I mean, I get to do stuff like this where I, you know, I meet basically random people on the internet and I get to come on and uh, talk to them and, you know, basically make radio content. And it's been a lot of fun. The podcasting piece it has really blown up for me over the last couple of years where it's really like, I'm less of a writer and more of a podcaster. I think I would rather have a microphone in my face than a pen in my hand nine times out of 10. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'm, I find writing hard, even though I, I'm told I can be good at it. Now, my wife's a writer. She's a fantastic writer, actually. I just don't have the discipline to do it. Yeah, so us, <laughs> us sitting down after the kids go to bed and just saying, hey, we're just going to do this for an hour. Um, and, and, you know, cut to two years later and we've got, you know, hundreds of hours of content on the internet. It's it's awesome. So, uh, and I mean, you said you haven't been doing the podcast for long. You're up to like, what, 179 episodes? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, we've been doing the podcast I've been doing the podcast for a while, but um, what I mean is more for the longest time, I I always introduced myself as a like I'm a writer, I'm a you know as a journalist, whatever. And now when I when people ask me what I do, I say that I'm the founder of the website and a podcast host. Um, and now more and more a video host, um, just because that's more kind of where my passion is and what I enjoy. Um, but I've been, yeah, I've been doing the podcast for, I mean, it's a weekly show, so 179, you know, weeks. So, uh, give or take, uh, you know, taking the uh, time off. Like, obviously, we take the last two weeks of the year off every year. So it's a good idea. Um, yeah, you should do it. Um, I, I love how you always, I love how you always have the little sound clips of your kids, and then they're in it. Sometimes it's great. Yeah, the the dad joke thing at the beginning of our show um, was. It started kind of as a like just a it started as a joke. Um and the um the 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 little behind the scenes secret that I share with anybody that even brings it up is most of those are all recorded at once. Um nice. we'll, we'll like get a joke book and we'll be, you know, a lot of the kids are not my kids, some of them are my friends' kids or my co-host kids. Anytime there's a bunch of us around and we're just kind of hanging out after dinner. Um, we'll get like one of those, you know, Ronald Dahl books or, you know, we'll everybody will get out their phones and we'll just take turns telling each other jokes with my uh, with my phone uh, in the middle of the table recording. And, you know, we do that for like an hour um, and then my audio guy will chop it up 
Um, and you know, he has a million files. And so, you know, I think we're due for another, uh, joke session. Cause I think the tank is starting to run low. Um, but <laughs> we do them all at once, um, just to avoid having to worry about, you know, thinking about one. Um, and it's, it makes life, it makes it easier. And it's also a really fun evening of right. just, you know, being really stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, a lot of times, um, with, with these shows, you have somebody around you haven't seen in a long time and they, they, you know, people are like, Oh, you do this show. And you know, I'll have a buddy over and I'm like, Oh, I wrote this thing for this book, you know, about the scavenger hunts I did at the university of Chicago. And it's like, dude, why don't you come over? We'll get some dinner, you know, have a couple beers and record a podcast, Yeah, you know, and it, it ends up being like a great way to catch up because it forces you to sit down and create something instead of just, you know, worrying about what you're going to do all night. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so with that, that that's dude. It, it's it's a pleasure to get to know you. Um, I, I figured you know your show is about you know finding board games, talking about board games. Um, our show is about sharing things from our past with our kids. Um, so figured we'd kind of do something similar to your show on ours, and then record something with you later. So Sarah and I and you, I figured we could do just a round robin and talk about a new game that we've played. Um, sure. To kind of introduce each other, and maybe we'll stump you, maybe we won't. I doubt we'll stump you because you you play everything. Um, but mine, um, and I think Sarah's too. We uh, we spent a long time at the Wild East Games booth at PAX. Okay. Do you know them? I don't. Maybe oh, I cool. do, and I just don't, I'm not. So oh. you're probably going to stump me. No, I'm that's terrible cool. with company names. No, go, it's okay. Uh, go ahead. They so they had a very bombastic. You know, they were a small company. It seems, but their their booth was very like in your face. It. It had like an old West style backdrop and everybody was in, you know, wild West costumes. And then one of the girls there was dressed up like, um, my, my brain's going to shut off the main character from kingdom hearts, um, okay. brain uh, shutting off with the keyblade, you know, and everything. Yeah. It's like, all right, this yeah. is really cool. And they were handing out. Oh, um, you had the pirate. You, you were playing the pirates game. There we go. Yeah. So we, we got pirates of the Caribbean, which is hilarious. Um, but since we haven't played that at home yet, I wasn't going to go in depth on that one, but I think that's a, hilarious pun the pirates yeah. of the caribbean we played a little there it's like a deck building game where you're trying to steal pies from each other it's a lot of fun um i'd say it's kind of akin to like a sushi go kind of thing yeah okay. i seem like it had a little more story to it sushi go yeah uh, but sushi go with like story those games that that listening to the directions is more confusing than actually, than actually playing, playing it. it yeah um but we just sat down and had friends over we picked up one called um slapdown i think is the name of it and it's okay. the simplest, it's the simplest concept. And what I love about it is, you know, you could get your kids into it because it could be a matching game like early on for like your kids, you know, okay. just different shapes and colors. But the game is, is just matching. But you get, you know, a team of two to eight people and you make this grid of 50 cards on the table and there's um, four colors and four shapes. I think it's four, right? Or is it six? It's six because it's six sided die, yeah, and you can have wilds and stuff. And you basically roll to roll well, roll a shape and a color, and then the first person to slap their hands down on the color shape pair gets it. But then when you start getting them in your hand in front of you, kind of like rummy, you can if if there's nothing else that matches the dice on the table, you can reach over and slap the other people's and steal it, or they can defend it, and it creates like a twister level of fun, crazy chaos. Um, they call it the unfriend maker is, is the name on the front of it. And it's just, it's a simple, simple art style, but man, we played it for a couple hours. 
hours. We had a couple of friends over and just we, like an hour we, so. we, we thought it was going to be, you know, a silly like one off thing. And we just we just couldn't get enough of it. And every new person that came in, you know, you got to play this. You got to try it out. So Slap Down by Wild East Games. Um, you know, I think it's something that you could easily get your kids into pretty young. But, yeah. you know, you playing it up to 35, 40 years old and still loving that. Loving it. Yeah, so. I'm looking at the sell sheet on their website now. It does look pretty cool. I like the, yeah. um, you know, I like the colors. Um, you know, I think the cards look pretty cool. Um, how and, how the cards pretty sturdy? Because I mean, yeah, it feels like these games are going to take some abuse. Yeah, they're sturdy. They're they're like um probably the level of sturdy of like a Cards Against Humanity card, okay. or um like Apple. They're not as cheap as apples to apples cards because okay. I think those those for being a kids game like I think. The minute any sort of wetness gets on those, they just get destroyed. These ones are definitely, you know, built to last, it would seem. Um, and, you know, I, I like the company. I liked the people um, that were selling it. You know, they were really cool to talk to. And, you know, we, we bought a bunch of their stuff, so they throw in a bunch of extras, you know, to, to, to advertise, right? And it, it was really mm-hmm. cool. Sarah, what's your... Uh... Hmm. I'm going to go with Botched Operation. Botched Operation. We played okay. that. We had friends over. And, um, was it Parker Brothers? Yeah, I think Bo- Operation's a Parker Brothers game, right? Uh, yes. I want to. I want to say yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I can. I'll look Let's while check. you guys go. Um, yeah, keep going. So, if you haven't heard of this one, this is hysterical. So whatever the company is, Parker Brothers, they re-released a bunch of their games: Operation, Sorry, Life. I think there's a Twister one. And mm-hmm. like just one other one, but they're like the boxes are all black and they're like twisted versions. So like we have botched operation and then sorry, not sorry, which we haven't played yet, which is like a screw you version of sorry. Yeah, it's sorry, but like you're intended to break the rules. Kind of like, like they have that monopoly um monopoly cheaters break the edition, rules cheaters, cheaters edition, edition, yeah. But this is so botched operation. I forget how you play regular operation because it's been so long, but this one has the operation board, it's the same, the same little pieces yeah cavity sam same guy and everything draw card you draw and it's a a screwy way to operate so one of them is like operate while holding the the operating table in your hand and hopping up and down on one foot operate holding the board while pacing operate while your arms are someone standing in front of you and your arms are through them operate while being tickled um a bunch and it's just hysterical like, it's the simplest, stupidest thing, but it is a riot. It's a great icebreaker game. Like, when you have, like, a bunch of people and, you know, like, charades always ends up being a good icebreaker game, too. You want to just get people to, like, come. And, you know, we saw the box and it's like, okay, adult versions of kids' games. I don't know if that's the smartest idea. But then you play it. And it's not even adult versions. It's, it's just but they call it that. But it's, I guess it, it's that way because they intend for it to be, like, a drinking game. But, like, the idea of botched operation is you're playing operation, but laughing gas went off. And so all the doctors are loopy, is what it says in the instructions. So, you know, what a couple of my favorites are, you know, you have to place the board on someone else yeah. and try to play. Like, while they're lying on their back or while they're, you know, doing push-ups and stuff like that. It's, Downward dog. It, it's a riot. The other one I want to get is the life one. I think it's called Life Poor Decisions or something. Yes. Yep. What what about you, good sir? What do you got? So, I mean, while I was at PAX East, I actually didn't get a chance to play too many board games. But um, the because uh, I had so many appointments on the video game side of the house. However, um, the the game that I was able to I was able to sneak 
a uh, quiet demo of a game that is actually coming to uh, Kickstarter soon from a company called Phase Shift Games. Um, and that is uh, it's a game called uh, Dungeon Drop. Oh, wow. And so um, here is the, the pitch. The pitch is um, the game comes in a cube-shaped box, which by itself is kind of interesting. Um, you pick a race and a class um, that are very simple. Um, you know, they give you each of them gives you an ability um, that you can use one of. You can use one of those two abilities on your turn. Um, and essentially, at the beginning of the game, you pick up a handful of the cubes from inside the box. And you literally drop them on the table. You like sprinkle them like salt bay. You know, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and you sprinkle them on the table. Um, and the gray, and that is literally the dungeon that you are dropping into. And so um, on your turn, you um, you essentially you look for the gray cubes and those represent pillars. What you're looking to do is build triangles, you know, find triangles and those are the rooms. Um, and you can pick up all of the cubes that are kind of inside that triangle. Um, and there will be gold cubes that represent gold pieces and, um, treasure chests. Um, but there are goblins. Um, and if you pick up a goblin, you take a hit, you, you take damage. Um, and so it's a kind of a push your luck game where you are, trying to continue through the dungeon, um, picking up these, you know, these components um, and, you know, kind of messing with your opponents because in some cases you can flick the different cubes and move the rooms around um, using some of the different powers. It's actually really interesting. Um, and the, the fact that um, on, on each of your turns, you actually get to get more pieces out of the box and kind of drop them on the table um, from kind of elbow height. And so it's always changing. Um, it's really neat, and it's super fast. Um, and I really appreciated that. The art on the cards is also really neat. I'm going to be – I have a copy of it coming to me. Uh, it was shipped out today, so I expect that I'll have my prototype copy within the next couple of days. Um, and I'll probably be unboxing it, if not on Wednesday, um, on Sunday for the Sunday Night Unboxing on our uh, Facebook page. Oh, so cool. I'll have to check in for that. that I like the idea of randomly generated gameplay. Yeah, like it's that. Crazy. Um, the, what's cool is that it's not super random because you can kind of control it because you, but really things just fly all over the place. But we, uh, when he first showed me the demo, we were at lunch, so we like went to you know one of the restaurants near the convention center and dropped the pieces down, and we were playing on our table while we were waiting for our sandwiches, and but we were able to play a complete game, including him teaching me from the time that we ordered my sandwich to the time that it arrived. Um, so it's very fast, very cool, very cute. Um, this is going to be, uh, this is designed to be a mass market thing. Like they want to see this in target if they can get it. Um, and I think it has every possibility of doing that. It's, oh, I think it would sell great too. Yeah. It, it, targets, absolutely. targets game section is like the most, um, it, I, it, it kind of crept up out of nowhere. I go and walk through there and now and I go, really? They have that? Like they, they, they really have turned that into a, a more, I don't even know what the word is. It's respectful. Like they have a really great mix of kids stuff and um, just more like the, the indie weird things, you know, that, that I think is really cool. It's true. Yeah. No, especially I mean for, especially for a big box store like it is, you know? 
Yeah, and they're putting money into exclusives too. They want lots of exclusives. Um, I was at Toy <laughs> Fair, um, and I talked uh, in February and I talked to a lot. Oh man, well, I mean, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be able to. You got to just apply. Um, yeah, the, Toy Fair. That'd yeah, be awesome. Toy Fair. Get the creating geeks in Toy Fair. Yeah, you just buy tickets, or do you have to like? Oh yeah, uh, you have to. You have to apply for press passes. We'll talk about that. I, I mean, we can we can talk shop about that. But I'm sure that if you can't, I'm sure you know. But you should be able to just from your podcast. You you have to show awesome. them some traffic just buy numbers. To go as regular schmoes. No, totally, uh, it's, it's like for well, insiders. You can. <sighs> you can, but like an industry uh, ticket is very expensive. Um, the only way really to get in there would be is through like a media outlet for like us regular folk. Um, but we can talk shop about that. I'm sure that you, I mean, if you meet the requirements, which, you know, you very likely do, uh, cause they're not super difficult. Um, then Where you should be, it? it's at the Javits center in New York. Oh, that's not far at all. I don't know why I thought it was out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like, um, well, it's Gen Con that's the middle of nowhere, but Toy Fair is, um, yeah, I mean, Toy Fair is great. Uh, it's a little weird take getting used to being in a place where there's like no nerds, like whereas PAX is crowded and we are among our people. Right. You go to Toy Fair and you are not among your people. It's a lot of <laughs> it's a it's an interesting experience. But um, I was there and I talked to a lot of companies that are you know that make a lot of games that are publishers and a lot of them um there are games that they would never publish on their own um but because target is interested in it they would put it there so it's the the target looking for exclusives is actually getting games made that might never might not necessarily make the cut elsewhere um wow so that's, I mean, that's good for us. More games, more choices. Um, but it's really interesting, you know, if you can only, if you only have the bandwidth to publish six games a year, but Target's willing to come in and make a difference, um, maybe you do seven. Um, and so a game that might have been kind of lost and, you know, put to the side, all of a sudden now, you know, Target's got it. So That's awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, dude, you got your finger on the pulse. I like it. I try. I've been doing it a long time. Yeah. But it's uh it's been it's it's it, it the go figure it pays to just be nice to people. Right. That's I found that people aren't used to it especially um on the internet. Correct. When they see, you know, when I go to appointments and they're late and they're running late and they're behind and they're like, Oh my God, we're so sorry. And I'm like, listen, dude, I'll just go over here and like post stuff on Instagram. Just get to me when you can. Um, they are uh, very receptive. And I've met some great folks just hanging around waiting for appointments. I mean, for me, that's networking time. You know, if I'm just right. waiting for something, if I have absolute business being there and so do you, uh, we're going to be friends because we're all in this together. Right. 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 That's awesome. Um, do we want to do one more game recommendation? Sure. Whatever. sure. Um, what, 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 I'll let Sarah start this time. Me? Yeah. Um, go back to me. <laughs> oh, well, another one we got from the, what was it? One? Wild East. Wild East Games was Lightning Dice, which I really like. I thought it was fun. Um, everyone gets six dice. And I think there's a couple ways you can play. Like, I created a way to play, which I don't see why you couldn't. 
But then the board is just um, it's tears. It's tears. One to twelve. One to twenty something. Twenty one. Yeah, I don't know. And you roll. You flip a card, and you have to roll whatever the dice are on it, or do whatever it says. Like it'll. Yeah, say, they like, they trip you up. Roll all odds, or one of them was like just stack your dice. Yeah, just be the first person in the group to stack your dice on top of each other without it falling. I was and like, oh the crap! First person that rolls the dice gets two points. And everyone has assigned a single number. So you could also kind of like Yahtzee it and get all of your number to get extra points or all of an opponent's number to knock them down. So you're just constantly moving up and down the tiers trying to keep other people from winning. But there's three things to do in every hand. So you got to be... Or options. You don't have to try to do all You got to be the first person to get the thing in the middle, but you can knock someone down a bunch if you keep rolling Yahtzees. You know, and it's just crazy. Um, how fast it is. The other thing you can do, because you can all try to do the same card, but we were having an issue where not all of us could see the one card flip. So I'm like, well, we could all just take and do our own, and then whoever does their own first could get the points too. So oh, that, that actually it seems like, like their games, even though they don't say it, have a lot of flexibility to it too. The other the other thing Which I, I noticed too, back, back to Slapdown and Lightning Dice, is the way they did their instructions they do them very, um, um, very well released. Like they start by saying, here's the basic idea of the game. We're going to hold off these other things you can do until you get used to it. So they'll go like, okay, get used to playing. And now here's this other cool thing that's part of the rules. So they're kind of set up to be kind of a novice at it when you start. Yeah. I like their games. They're very simple and fun. Yeah, no, that's one thing that, I mean, just looking through their sheets, I agree. I mean, it looks like that's they they found a niche. I mean, that's super cool for you know to, to find companies that like have figured out their thing. Um, and so clearly they have figured out just you know make simple stuff with, uh, and maybe throw a pun in and uh, go for it. Right, throw a pun in and get people to sit down and play it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna pull out one from a little while back, um, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure you've played it. But um, I just want to talk about it because it makes me happy because I'm a huge Lego fan. Um, I always like, um, you know, it's not something to bring in later in the night when people, you know, are kind of tired of thinking. But Creationary, have you played Creationary? I have not. Oh, wow. Okay. So Creationary, they just put a bunch of random Lego pieces of different colors in a box. And you have cards. And there's an easy, medium, and hard card. And you get various points. And you flip it over. And when you flip it over, you have to build it. And it's kind of like Pictionary. You have to build it, and the other people have to guess. So because you have a limited amount of Lego pieces, you have to get creative. And so, you know, it'll be as simple as a car or a letter T all the way up to build the entrance to Legoland, you know. And um, it's a cool one to bring out at parties, especially when a bunch of my engineer friends come over. Because, you know, hooray, engineers, um, Legos. Um, but um, it's fun because it's it's such a simple concept and it's really hard. And, um, you know, to to do like the harder things, it you know, it's timed um, and it's just a lot of fun. And if you've never tried it, I recommend checking it out. I don't even know if you can buy it anymore. I, it might have been like 10 years ago. I don't think thing. they have they had a bunch of like board games. I don't think they have any of them. Yeah. They like yeah, no, they, yeah, they don't do that anymore. A bunch of them. Oh, it's a bummer. There's like it, a labyrinth maze. Yeah. I, I was really fond of it. I thought it was a really well put together idea. Yeah, right now, Creationary. Um, 
if you are super into it, uh, it's $88 on Amazon with Prime shipping. Wow. Holy crap. That was like a $25 game. Yeah, that was like 30 it. maybe, 35 Wow. Well, I mean, that's just the nature of the... Um, that, that is just kind of the nature of board games. You know, once they're out of print, um, things, right. things get bananas. With that if said, it's... Not- for something fun to do, go on eBay and search retro games. I found some doozies from like the 60s and 70s. I mean, oh, yeah. Dude, have you ever played Assassin? Uh, I can't say that I have. I'm so looking at Creationary on okay, the... That's fine. On the eBay while we uh, while we talk, it, it's much cheaper on eBay. Yeah, there's a there was a one I came across that was a Titanic board game about trying to save yourself from the sinking ship. I think it was. There was I, the... well, I, fun <laughs> fun story about the Titanic board game. It is oh, very wow. likely. Um, I worked at the uh, Discovery Channel store that was oh. in a local mall. I missed the during, story. Yeah, yeah, during the post uh, Titanic craze, and they had Titanic everything. And the one thing that really, th- there were two things that that bothered me. Like some of it, was, and and the one of them was a Titanic bath toy that oh came with its own inflatable iceberg. I remember that. And then the second one was the Titanic board game because I picked it up and I looked at the back and I was like, for real, you really are, you really are, it's really the Titanic turned into a board game. Now, fast forward a bunch of years and we've played some pretty dark, you know, there are some pretty dark board games out there. Yeah. I just felt like a Titanic, the board game back in like the late 90s was just this not right. Yeah. The one I found, I think, was even older than that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it must. I I have pictures of it. It's just not right. Yeah, I mean, but then again, you know, we play World War II board games and we don't even think about it. Right. So. Or or yeah. Or you know, like um, Axis and Allies. Yeah. And yeah. Risk. Exactly. You're like, what are you really doing when you're taking over? 1976, those the sinking of the Titanic game. The wow. game you play as the ship goes down, then face the peril of the open seas. Oh my lord! Now, even worse than that. It was a 1980 game called Public Assistance. Why bother working for a living? Yeah, the welfare board game. Oh, man, that's a little old. Apparently it was a band game. Of course point. it was. So, so so was Assassin. Our friends Tim and Corinne found a copy of um, Assassin on uh, uh, eBay. And Assassin, it's basically like a Monopoly-style board, but you're going around the country collecting goods and services so you can pay Assassins to take out the other players. And Leaving that, that the, you know, just the point of the game is dark. The, um, because it was made in the 70s, the artwork and way that other nations are treated is really, really, really bad. And it, it, it's a fun, like, you know, niche thing to look at is, you know, people that are, you know, are past that and above it and go, wow, what a silly time. But man, if anyone ever found that game in your closet and didn't know you, they, th- they think you had some problems. Yeah. I mean, so, so, go ahead. Sorry. Sounds fine to me. I mean, <laughs> oh, it's a fun game. That's I'm the used thing. to being judged. The game's a blast. That's that's the fun part of it because you, you know, you, it, it never goes the way you think. And it's usually the cheap assassin that ends up winning, um, which is kind of funny. But uh, all right. So, so let's, let's hear one more from you and then we'll, we'll take us out and move over onto, uh, 
onto your show so we're not up till four in the morning. Sure. So, um, you even know, though I could, even though I could talk to you for forever, you're, you're a blast. You could talk to anyone forever. I could talk to anyone forever. Well, it's I mean, my we're sh- going to have to, what we're going to have to do is, so I think I'm just going to have to, cause don't you have like six shows? I'll just come on all of them. Nice. Um, I have a pitch for a, for an episode of, uh, your blockbuster show Talkbuster, because I also, I told you I am a former assistant manager. Dude, let, uh, we have to um, do that. And my this is my pitch. What would it be like if Blockbuster, if if the Marvel Cinematic Universe happened while we were at Blockbuster? Like how awful would our experience have been dealing with keeping track of all 22 of those movies and people coming in to get them and and like how many guaranteed to be there coupons would we oh have to hand God. right? Because there's never enough copies of Infinity War. Like that's what I want. That that's the that's my pitch. I want to talk put, about the hellscape. Put a pin in that. That's going to be amazing. I'm accepting his pitch on your behalf. Yes, my wife accepted as my producer. My wife has accepted your pitch on All my right. behalf. Fair enough. Fair I'm going to Um, just because because I, I was thinking about that today, and I was like, no, we got to talk about it. The he- the I hellscape. Forgot, I forgot you had said that. Oh man, no, I I, I love. I the, like his idea. I love the talkbuster, and that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, we got to do it. Um, I'm trying. My sister has all my former uh, shirts, so uh, and sh- and we believe that I have one that is still trapped somewhere in a bin in her house. So I may even be able to post on the Twitter, um, my me in a blockbuster shirt f- to celebrate the occasion. Yes, um, please. Um, absolutely would do. So as far as games, um, I'm um I'm totally gonna break the rules. I want to talk about video game. No, no problem, um, dude. That's not so, a rule. Um, I want to talk. So, I do a running thing, um, starting this year, <laughs> where I um I have my game of the year so far. Oh, cool! All right, um, let's do it. So, right now, my game of the year so far is Steam World Quest for the Nintendo Switch. Um, oh my god, I have a Switch and I haven't heard of this. Lay it on me. Oh my god! So, have you played any of the Steam World games? No. All right, let me paint you a picture. Well, first off, I mean, I guess it's kind of, all right. Do you like turn-based role-playing games? Yes. All right, so then you need to buy this now. It's $25, so wait until you got 25 bucks. Feed your kids. But um, I, that's my standard statement. I don't want to be – I don't promote irresponsibility. However, here's what it is. SteamWorld is uh, – it's called – the full name is SteamWorld Quest, The Hand of Gilgamech. Um, SteamWorld is a series of games from image and form. Um, all of the games in the series are good, and many of them are often on sale, so you can pick them up pretty cheap. Um, they're all different genres, too. Um, but basically, you play robots, like steam-powered robots, in like this really cool cartoon style. Um, the first two were Metroidvanias. Um, yep. Then uh, they made like a side-scrolling... Uh, two-dimensional like XCOM where you're squad-based going into enemy ships and it's kind of like Firefly with like a steampunk robots. Um, that sounds every, right up my it's alley. Meant, it's meant to be super dumb and super funny. Uh, one of the characters in SteamWorld Heist was literally just like an Arnold robot with like a big you know twirly mustache like and he was just constantly lifting weights. Um, but he was really good with bazookas, um, because of course he was, um, you know, just to give you an idea, like how stupid the thing is. And so they just, because they try a new genre every time they had never done a turn-based, 
RPG. And so that's what this is. It's a turn-based RPG. Um, there are five characters in the game. You build a party with three of them. And the combat is done using uh, cards. So every for each character in your party, you build an eight-card deck. And when you put the three characters together, that those three eight-card decks combine, and you have one 24-card deck that you that you draw through um, right. and you'll have regular attacks that will help you be- build a steam meter. Um, and then you have other attacks that actually drain it. So you have this neat push and pull of using relatively weak attacks, but building up your, your steam. And then you don't want to have too much because obviously it caps out. And so you want to constantly be letting that, you know, draining that to heal or use powerful, you know, spells, etc. Um, it's really the, the, I mean, the artwork is really cool. The characters are interesting. Um, the story is, you know, kind of a whatever, but it's, it's funny at least. Um, but it is the card combat is just so, so satisfying because you'll be playing and, you know, you're, you're drawing cards on your turn. Um, and you want to create combos so that, you know, every character has like a special bonus action that they take. If you um, use three of their cards in a row um, and it's just really satisfying and fun to just kind of figure out the engine and pull off like two or three really killer turns. Um, it is just so good. If you hate card combat, then it's probably not for you. Um, but if you uh, like turn-based role-playing games and are at least neutral to card-based combat, then this game is an absolute must-own. And right now, it is my game of the year so far. And as I project out to the end of the year, um, I don't see too many games that I am aware of that can compete with it. Now, obviously, well, that- you know we know things are going to get announced and all that, but of the games that I know are coming... Um, I'm not sure anything's going to beat it. So this could very well be my game of the year for 2019. And I found it in March or April. It just came out last week. That's how much is it? I mean, it's 24. I mean, full disclosure, they gave me a copy, but it's 2499. Yeah, Um, that's fine. Well, I have to say that for the FCC. Um, yes, but the, yes. um, you know, got to make the right, reg- the regulators happy, but, um, but I believe it's 2499 worth every penny. I would pay nice. twice that. No, I'll, I'll, I think I'm going to pick that up when we're done. Cause that yeah. sounds right up my alley. It's really good. Um, yeah, for switch. Yeah, cool, man. Well, um, I, uh, let, let's, uh, let's, um, move on to yours, dude. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Um, I, I think this is, I think I think this is uh this is not this won't be the last time for sure. Um yeah, sure. Anytime. this is a blast. So um we'll 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 do our little outro. Um again, um this is uh Steve from Engaged Family Gaming. Um our first guest. Our first guest ever. Um th- thank you very much. You haven't, and, uh, had, you haven't had your brother on? Not on this like, show. You figure, you, you figure you know I mean you get you know a guy. I'm just right. <laughs> Well, see, the idea the, this this was the first um, spinoff show I did oh, okay. because I didn't because I didn't know the podcast was going to be mine. He asked me, "Hey, you and I have a good rapport together, and my fans want me to do a podcast. Let's do one." And that you know became the Chipman Brothers Tangent. Like I named it. Like, and I realized um, actually Sarah named it. Thank you. Um, and and as I had a uh, feeling that was coming. As I said, every good yes, idea. Is like every, every good idea is somebody is someone's wife's fault. And as and as we were moving along, he he broke it to me that you know it was it was his idea to give me a creative outlet because he thought I'd be good at this. And I got addicted and couldn't stop. So I did creating geeks. Well, also because. 
Bob and I couldn't necessarily always record every week. I mean, he's doing That's like four, he's a busy four or five, four or five shows a week um, of his yeah. own thing. So, you know, getting the tangent more than once a month was kind of hard. So I said, okay, I'll do my own thing and I can bank them, you know, and have fun. Yeah. And Sarah, you know, Sarah and I can sit down and crank out a two creating geeks in a night, you know, mm -hmm. um, we just, eh. but it was cool to do it this way. We've never done an episode of this show um, free form like this. It's usually a, you know, pre-set, pre-thought out idea. Um, so um, thank you. And uh, we'll be having you on again soon or doing something. And we got to do that Talkbuster episode. So um, I like that Talkbuster yeah. episode. All right, Sarah. So as we always say. There's no shame in being a geek, no matter how old you are. <laughs>